We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us, including those listens, is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters. Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us, if we may be so bold, is to recommend going to our Patreon, where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of woe. If you want to contribute more than a dollar a month, which obviously no pressure, whatever you've got, we are so appreciative to have, but we have awesome gifts for you. If you want a hand-addressed letter from Morgan and Isabeau, maybe with some special woe stickers other merch just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons good evening or afternoon or morning wherever whenever you may be joining us. Welcome to the Womance Public Access Read-Along featuring Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Morgan. I read the odd number chapters. My name is Isabel and I read the even chapters. And this week I am reading chapter 27. So if you haven't been following along, you got a little catching up to do. But Isabeau's going to do you a favor and bring you up to date on what happened in chapter 26. Last week, yesterday, 10 minutes ago, (laughs) wherever you're joining us from in temporality, (laughs) chapter 26 was an epistolatory chapter wherein we got a glimpse of what all the other ladies in Lizzie's life were thinking. One, Jane came to her senses. Caroline sucks. Two... Lizzie was invited by her former best bud, Charlotte, to visit her at Rosings, which Lizzie's not super into, but Jane encouraged her to go. Three, Mrs. Gardner, her aunt, told her that she should be wary of Wickham and her strong feelings for them, him. And Lizzie wrote her back and she's like, listen, Aunt Gardner, he's already turned his affections to someone who has 10,000 pounds a year. And since I'm no longer the first object in his sights, I find myself a little dejected, but not overcome, which means that I was never in love at all. Down, but not out. (laughs) Exactly. Always a bridesmaid. Uh, The text itself gave us a little bit of pause for the first time, where it's like, maybe not entirely in Lizzie's corner. Maybe it's in Lizzie's corner, but we're trying to see around her, which gave us the first inkling that, you know, maybe something's up here. Uh, Other thing that I think worth mentioning, which, you know, wasn't something that we mentioned in the episode last time, is that Darcy is still mentioned in this chapter, even though he's literally nowhere. In uh, he's He looms so large in their minds. Like, they're always talking about him. Upwards of, I think we discussed this, what, like 5'4"? Was <laughs> considered yes. tall in this era? Yeah. I mean, he's taller than Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. In any era. <laughs> um, and with that. With that. Chapter 27. With no greater events than these in the Longbourn family and otherwise diversified by little beyond the walks to Maryton, sometimes dirty and sometimes cold, did January and February pass away. 
Man, and I would say that's about as much time as I would like to spend in January and February in the literal sense. Literally. Same. March was to take Elizabeth to Hunsford. She had not at first thought very seriously of going thither. (laughs) But Charlotte, she soon found, was depending on the plan, and she gradually learned to consider it herself with greater pleasure, as well as greater certainty. Absence had increased her desire of seeing Charlotte again, and weakened her disgust of Mr. Collins. That's nice. (laughs) There was novelty in the scheme, and as with... And as... With such a mother and such uncompanionable sisters, home could not be faultless. A little change was not unwelcome for its own sake. The journey would moreover give her a peep at Jane. And, in short, as the time drew near, she would have been very sorry for any delay. Everything, however, went on smoothly, and was finally settled according to Charlotte's first sketch. She was to accompany Sir William and his second daughter. The improvement of spending a night in London was added in time, and the plan became perfect as plan could be. The only pain was in leaving her father, who, could, who would certainly miss her, and who, when it came to the point, so little liked her going, and he told her to write to him, and almost promised to answer her letter. Okay, good dad, further shattered. (laughs) Let that ruminate. The farewell between herself and Mr. Wickham was perfectly friendly, and on his side even more. His present pursuit could not make him forget that Elizabeth had been the first to excite and to deserve his attention, the first to listen and to pity, the first to be admired, and in his manner of bidding her adieu, wishing her every enjoyment, reminding her of what she was to expect in Lady Catherine de Bourgh, and trusting their opinion of her, their opinion of everybody, would always coincide. There was a solicitude, an interest which she felt must ever attach her to him with a most sincere regard, and she parted from him convinced that whether marriage or single, he must always be her model of the amiable and pleasing. Ugh, that is not moving on. Her fellow travelers the next day were not of a kind to make her think him less agreeable. Sir William Lucas and his daughter Maria, a good-humored girl, but as empty-headed as himself, had nothing to say that could be worth hearing, and were listened to with about as much delight as the rattle of the shade. (laughs) Jesus. Wow. That That is some fucking cruel shit right there. Buckle up. Elizabeth loved absurdities, but she had known Sir William's too long. No. He could tell her nothing new of the wonders of his presentation at knighthood, and his civilities were worn out like his information. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Lizzie, you kind of a jerk. She really is. And like this, and also this thing earlier in um, the previous paragraph, reminding her of what she was to expect in Lady Catherine de Bourgh and trusting their opinion of her, their opinion of everybody, would always coincide. Mm-hmm. I feel like... It's very clearly pointing out that he's make he's made her a worse person or yeah. brought out her worse attributes. Yeah, absolutely. Wickham, that is. 
It was a journey of only 24 miles, and they began it so early as to be in Grace Church Street by noon. As they drove to Mr. Gardner's door, Jane was at a drawing room window watching their arrival. When they entered the passage, she was there to welcome them. And Elizabeth, looking earnestly in her face, was pleased to see it healthful and lovely as ever. On the stairs were a troop of little boys and girls, whose eagerness for their cousin's appearance would not allow them to wait in the drawing room, and whose shyness, as they had not seen her for a twelfth-month, prevented their coming lower. <laughs> All was joy and kindness. The day passed most pleasantly away, the morning in bustle and shopping, and the evening at one of the theaters. Elizabeth then contrived to sit by her aunt, their first subject was her sister, and she was more grieved than astonished to hear, in reply to her minute inquiries, that though Jane always struggled to support her spirits, there were periods of dejection. It was reasonable, however, to hope that they would not come to new long. Mrs. Gardner gave her the particulars of Miss Bingley's visit in Grace Church Street, and repeated conversations occurring at different times between Jane and herself which proved that the former had, from her heart, given up the acquaintance. Mrs. Gardner then rallied her niece on Wickham's desertion and complimented her on bearing it so well. But my dear Elizabeth, she added, what, of, what sort of girl is Miss King? I should be sorry to think our friend mercenary. Pray, my dear aunt, what is the difference in matrimonial affairs between the mercenary and the prudent motive? Where does discretion end and avarice begin? Last Christmas you were afraid of his marrying me because it would be imprudent. And now, because he is trying to get a girl with only 10,000 pounds, you want to find out that he is mercenary. If you will only tell me what sort of girl Miss King is, I shall know what to think. She is a very good kind of girl, I believe. I know no harm of her. But he paid her not the smallest attention till her grandfather's death made her mistress of this fortune. No, why would he? If it was not allowable for him to gain my affections because I had no money, what occasion could there be for making love to a girl whom he did not care about and who was equally poor? But there seems indelicacy in directing his attentions towards her so soon after this event. A man in distressed circumstances has not time for all those elegant decorums which other people may observe. If she does not object to it, why should we? Her not objecting does not justify him. It only shows her being deficient in something herself, sense or feeling. Well, cried Elizabeth, have it as you choose. He shall be mercenary and she shall be foolish. No, Lizzie. That is what I do not choose. I should be sorry, you know, to think ill of a young man who has lived so long in Derbyshire. <laughs> <laughs> Her real allegiances come clean. <laughs> not in Derbyshire. Derbyshire? <laughs> oh, if that is all, I have a very poor opinion of young men who live in Derbyshire and their intimate friends who live in Hertfordshire are not much <laughs> better. I am sick of them all. Thank 
heaven. I am going tomorrow where I shall find a man who has not one agreeable quality, who has neither manner nor sense to recommend him. Stupid men are the only ones worth knowing after all. Mm. Take care, Lizzie. That speech savors strongly of disappointment. Miss Gardner speaking truth to power. <laughs> Ooh. She is. Before they were separated by the conclusion of the play, she had the unexpected happiness of an invitation to accompany her uncle and aunt in a tour of pleasure which they proposed taking in the summer. We have not quite determined how far it shall carry us, said Mrs. Gardiner, but perhaps to the lakes. No scheme could have been more agreeable to Elizabeth, and her acceptance of the invitation was most ready and grateful. My dear aunt, she rapturously cried, what delight, what felicity. You give me fresh life and vigor, a Jew to disappointment and spleen. What are men to rocks and mountains? Oh, what hours of transport we shall spend. And when we do return, it shall not be like other travelers without being able to give one accurate idea of anything. We will know where we have gone. We will recollect what we have seen. Lakes, Mountains and rivers shall not be jumbled together in our imaginations, nor when we attempt to describe any particular scene will we begin quarreling about its relative situation. Let our first effusions be less insupportable than those of the generality of travelers. All right. Specifics or nothing. Yeah. Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. It feels like... You know, I I think last episode I might have spoken too soon when I said there aren't real examples here of Jane Austen speaking through Lizzie. That was such a specific <laughs> and like niche complaint, only tangentially related to what's happening in the story. That uh, I feel like that was Jane Austen had to get something off her chest there. Yeah, and how interesting that it is about like. Because what we know historically of Jane Austen is that she didn't travel very far. Um, and so what would have been reported to her would have been what she saw of the mm-hmm. world around her. Like she didn't really travel much outside the Dunnas and Triangles of London and uh, South England. So, yeah, this idea that like, well, if you're going to tell me where you've been, I want it to be specific. Don't jumble the rivers together. This river is different from this one. It it smacks so deeply of like the youngest Dashwood sister in Sense and Sensibility who's like in love with all the maps. Mm. It really seems to me that like this is a moment where we can see the author and she wanted to travel but never could. God, that's, now my heart is broken. Yeah, I mean, Jane Austen died at 41. Like, she didn't live super long. No, and she didn't, yeah, and you're right. She didn't travel very far. Also, England isn't very big. They make such a big deal out of, like, how far the distances are and, like, Derbyshire to Hertfordshire. And I'm like, it only takes five hours by train from London to Edinburgh, and those are two different countries. (laughs) Is that true? It's only five hours by train? Five hours by train, my dude. Um, it took me six hours to get from my hometown to my university in the same state. And I wasn't yeah. even to the edge of the state. That's what I'm saying. It's like we're just dealing with a different size of geography. They make really big yeah. deals out of, like, you know, the Thames. But, like, I crossed the Mississippi recently. 
That's a working man's river. That's a big river. When they call it the Big Muddy, you know what they fucking mean. And everyone's like, oh, the Thames, the Thames. Speaking of tangents that don't have anything to do with the text. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me. Uh... I was about to start it on lakes. <laughs> Yeah, you were. I was getting, I was getting so geared up. I was getting my like fist wound. I mean, let's talk about the fact that they're like, ooh, the lake country, and I'm like, we have 20 percent of the world's fresh water, literally in spitting distance. Like, you can spit from Chicago into Lake Michigan. Many people do on a regular basis. On the reg. Um, I, I do feel like this book is kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I, just to speak my truth sometimes I worry that my interpretations are very much and I I shouldn't say worry I know my interpretations are very much beholden to like my current moods and what's going on in my life right now I mean I try to be pretty clear-eyed about stuff but I feel like I have this feeling with Lizzie like things are falling apart Mm -hmm. and She's kind of scrambling and it's making her a less great version of herself. Like, I don't think this is the Lizzie we meet at the ball, right, for the first time. No, and what's interesting about this is that it's like this book has not only stripped essential pieces from Lizzie, like Jane's not at home, which means she's with her lesser sisters. Her mom's still (laughs) mad at her for refusing Mr. Collins. Uh, Wickham isn't interested in her anymore. And then it's also January and February, which are like the bleakest months. And I think the fact that this book really takes in that mood and understands part of Lizzie's snap and vigor is really related to how she interacts and who she interacts with. And, like, Charlotte's gone, and Jane is gone, and Wickham's gone, and suddenly, like, Lizzie's world gets smaller and worse, and she gets smaller and worse as a consequence. Yeah, I think that elucidates what our discussion was of Chapter 26, even. We've gained some clarity. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. Anything else you'd like to say? England ain't got shit on the water bodies of North America. Um, America, a hundred years is a long time and a hundred miles is a short distance or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, uh, for sure, loosen your prejudices. But maybe not your prides about bodies of water. <laughs> Keep your Great Lakes pride. <laughs> And your big muddy pride is what I'm saying. Like the Mississippi is a mighty river and the Thames can suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Wooly guacamole, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance. Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan. And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N. Original music by Nick Gravelin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonsack. They're the best. 
You're also the best. We so appreciate your support by listening. Please consider taking this to the next level by following, rating, and reviewing. We read every single review. Or even check us out on Patreon. If you'd like more woe in your life, you can connect with us on Instagram at womans and on Twitter where we are at mans underscore woe. Or you can find more episodes and content at womanspodcast.com. If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Womance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.